Hello, humanity. It's Rhett McPherson. Welcome back to Mystery, History, and Crime, a podcast where I discuss unsolved mysteries and I review true crime documentaries and film television that has anything to do with mysteries. For those of you who don't know, I'm a mystery author. I have about a dozen books published through St. Martin's Press, and I have a historical mystery published through Word Posse. You can follow Mystery, History, and Crime on Instagram. You can follow Rhett McPherson on the Facebook page. And if you need to email me over a case maybe that you want me to look at, you can email me at mysteryhistoryandcrime at gmail.com. So for the true crime review this episode, I'm going to talk about The Staircase. This is a 13-episode documentary by a French filmmaker named Jean-Xavier Lestrade for Netflix. Lestrade is no stranger to telling engaging true crime films as he won an Oscar for his documentary Murder on a Sunday Morning. And this is also a fairly well-known case, and the documentary, I think, is at least 10 years old now, so... It's not like it's something brand new, but it's still interesting. (laughs) Uh, I'm a huge fan of documentaries. In fact, I'll watch a documentary on just about anything. Like literally, you know, it it could be science, nature, history, whatever. I will watch a documentary on just about anything. So I was surprised to find that I I wasn't a very big fan of The Staircase, actually. I think partly because it, it went on forever. It's 13 episodes. And I think that there was quite a bit in there that could have been trimmed down. The main reason I didn't care for this is because it's basically a film about the legal process and an accused man. Um, Missing from 95% of it was the victim. In fact, the camera gave very little sympathy to Kathleen or to her family or her daughter from a previous marriage. Uh, The end credits showed some wonderful family photos and, you know, Um, And there was some time given to Kathleen and Michael as a couple. And there was some time for Michael to sort of um, wax poetically about Kathleen. But the amount of on-screen time devoted to saying anything at all about Kathleen Peterson from uh, anybody else's point of view or even just from a biographical standpoint was almost nil. And I think... That's part of the problem. I Okay, so I think part of the problem I have is since it's a documentary ab- about the legal system and about Michael, I think that there was a ton of it that could have been trimmed. We don't really need to see a lot of the family interaction uh, because the filmmaker was even quoted as saying that the intent for this film was never to be about Um, who actually killed Kathleen or what actually happened that night. It was a film about the legal process and how the justice system would handle it. And if that's the case, then I feel like a lot of the extra family stuff and the laughing around the table and all that kind of thing um, was just completely unnecessary and made it go on even longer. So the specifics, on December 9th, 2001, Kathleen Peterson was found dead by her husband, best-selling author Michael Peterson, at the foot of the back stairs in their home. He was outside at the time by the pool when it happened, and when he went in the house, he found her drenched in her own blood and called 911. 
Rightfully so, the police suspected foul play immediately. Police officers who've dealt with accidental falls felt like there was just no way that Kathleen Peterson died from your average fall down the stairs. For one thing, the blood on her clothing was dry when they got there, which means this had happened several hours before he called 911. That's number one right there. Um, Her head, neck, and spine were all still in alignment, which is unusual for a fall down the steps. And the lacerations on the top and back of her head was nothing less than horrific and also very unusual from a fall down the steps. And some of the lacerations were on the back, but there were some on the top. And it's like, how does one get seven lacerations on the top of the head from a fall? Even if you, it, I mean, did she fall seven times? Like, (laughs) you know, did she fall seven times down the steps with her head pointed all the way back? I mean, even if, uh, I think one of the theories was that she didn't actually fall all the way down the steps. She just sort of fell trying to go up the steps, it, you know, but the amount of blood that was there is all, was also very unusual. Later, <laughs> forensics would discover that her blood alcohol content was below the legal limit, and it's doubtful that she was all that tipsy. I think what really bothered me about this documentary was that I'd already seen a short true crime forensic documentary about this case, and so I was a little surprised by how biased this documentary was. Uh, they just left out um, certain... I mean, the jury saw the, all of the evidence, but for the documentary, for us to watch, they left out quite a few things. And it seemed very much like they were trying to make Michael out to be this innocent framed person, um, which, you know, could be the case. But um, but I just feel like no matter what your angle, like – I just feel like if you're going to make a documentary about the justice system, that you have to give us all of the same information that, that the jury gets. But anyway, so the defense team for Michael Peterson wanted to establish that there was no motive for him to murder his wife. Okay, first of all, right there, you don't really have to have a motive to murder your wife. Men get just tired of their wives, no matter how much they wax poetically. But we'll just <laughs> throw that one out, okay? Um, supposedly they had an idyllic marriage and Michael loved her so very much that he couldn't possibly have killed her. The cemeteries are full of women who thought they had a wonderful marriage and perfect spouse and a great relationship. You know, I mean, loving somebody is not a reason. In truth, Peterson was having sex outside of the marriage. And I I hesitate to mention that it was with other men because for a woman who wants a monogamous relationship, it's not really going to matter who her husband is cheating with. He's still cheating. You know, Um, Michael Peterson uh, goes so far as to say that Kathleen was aware of his predilections and activity. uh, But that's just, we don't know. That's him saying it. And I'm not saying that that she wasn't aware of it. Um, And I'm not saying that there are not people out there who have open marriages because there are. What I'm questioning is if we believe that she was a willing partner in this arrangement, why wouldn't she have mentioned this to somebody like a sister, a best friend? Um, Believe it or not, I actually know a few women who are in open marriages and they all discuss it quite freely because they're okay with it. So if this really was an arrangement that they had, she was either a very, very private person who kept things to herself or she wasn't as okay with it as Michael would lead us to believe. 
If she didn't know he was cheating and found out that night that he was planning on hooking up with another human being to have sex regardless of the gender, she might have gotten really upset and maybe threatened to divorce him or at the very least expose him. Because I'm pretty sure up to that point, um, most of their friends, uh, you know, their neighbors and that kind of was unaware of his sexuality. I mean, he says in the documentary that everybody knows that he's bisexual, but I, I don't think that 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 was entirely true. I mean, I think I definitely think there were certain people in certain circles who knew if that wasn't enough of a motive, the Petersons were in debt up to their eyeballs, like $143,000 just of credit card debt alone. And there were life insurance policies on Kathleen that um, I think totaled close to 2 million. And that, you know, that would be more than enough to cover Michael's debts. But the documentary glosses over that as if it's no big deal. You know, so I looked it up and the the CDC recently did a study on the murders of women in 18 states and found that 55% of those murders were committed by intimate partners. 93% of those 55% were committed by current romantic partners. So it would seem as though loving somebody doesn't mean you can't kill them. You know, so I just feel like that whole strategy by the defense team is just ridiculous because it's... (laughs) It means nothing. It literally happens all the time. If you're a killer who wants something bad enough, money for debt or fear of exposure, love won't keep you from killing your spouse. You'd need a conscience for that. And pretty much anybody who studies matricide knows that money and sex are the two biggest motives for murder. And Michael Peterson had both. I couldn't help but feel horrible for his children. His daughters, in particular, were absolutely gutted by everything happening. For them, it's their dad. You know, dad couldn't possibly be a murderer, even though dads are murderers all the time. I could literally spend hours reading the names of dads who have killed moms. And sometimes people choose to believe that their loved ones are innocent because to believe they're guilty would just rock their entire foundation. If you can't trust the loving man who raised you, then who can you trust? It's, it's easier to believe dad's innocent and some weird, strange thing killed her than it is to accept the truth. So if all that, you know, is entirely enough for reasonable doubt, which I, I would understand, um, around the third episode, we learned that Michael had found another body at the bottom of the stairs 18 years prior. The victim in that case was the mother of those adopted daughters that I was just talking about. That victim also had the strange lacerations on the top and back of her head, seven of them to be exact, just like Kathleen. And there was also a lot of blood, also like Kathleen. So imagine for a moment being those daughters and realizing that if Michael is guilty, they they would have been orphaned because of Michael Peterson and lived their entire lives with the person that killed not one, but eventually two of their mothers. They would be as much of a victim as both of their mothers were. You can understand exactly why they would have to believe that he's innocent. And can I just say, you know, how horrible it is to have your entire family shoved front and center in the public eye, put under a microscope for every move to be scrutinized. I mean, my heart really goes out to the whole family, not just the daughters, but all of them. This is something that altered their life and their life trajectory, and they, they're just completely innocent in everything. So the series is fascinating in the aspect of following a case from beginning to end. You know, how they pick the jurors, how they coach a witness, and how they do their research. So 
If you're into that type of thing, you'll find every second of this riveting. I I found some of it a bit tedious, and sometimes, like I said earlier, it felt like it could be tightened up in areas. But if you watch it, you know, just just keep in mind that the director saying that the purpose for this film was never to look for the truth, and and. That's pretty evident to me. In addition to the series glossing over the financial situation, they also leave out any mention of red neurons. This was a big one for me. I like how can you just like leave this out? So they found red neurons in Kathleen's brain. And basically red neurons form when a person suffers a lack of oxygen event two to six hours prior to the actual death. So that means that between two and six hours of Kathleen actually dying, she suffered um, a lack of oxygen event, meaning she passed out or he had almost killed her or, you know, something like that. This throws Michael's entire timeline off and the red neurons combined with the congealed blood, already dried blood on her clothing proves that Kathleen was probably dead hours before he called the police, which then would also mean his entire 911 call was scripted and faked. Much like those two purple hearts he told people he'd earned in Vietnam, which also turned out to be false. So the one question that I came away with is, what exactly is reasonable doubt? So the defense lawyer in this film um, has a very serious moment towards the end where he's just like, you know, if this case, if you couldn't find reasonable doubt in this case, then what is reasonable doubt? And, you know, this just threw everything that he was had ever done into question. I think there's tons of reasonable doubt, but that's what I came away with like what exactly is reasonable doubt what are we looking for in a case one legal dictionary defines reasonable doubt as proof of guilt beyond a reasonable doubt is required for conviction of a criminal defendant a reasonable doubt exists when a fact finder cannot say with moral certainty that a person is guilty or a particular fact exists it must be more than an imaginary doubt And it is often defined judicially as such doubt as would cause a reasonable person to hesitate before acting in a matter of importance. Okay, so that's a lot to unload. And I don't even understand what imaginary doubt is. But, you know, a jury is not supposed to convict somebody if they can't, if if they can find reasonable doubt that the person in question committed the crime. But I mean, short of video footage of a crime taking place and strong DNA evidence, you could say every case has reasonable doubt because none of us are present at the crime scene and weird, far out, unexplainable things could happen. One of the far out theories that they came up with was that an owl attacked Kathleen and that's what killed her. Like this, this owl apparently attacked her head and that's what caused the lacerations on it. And that, you know, she stumbled into the house and then fell at the foot of the stairs and and tried to get up and hit her head. And and this was all because they found um, a very small little feather in her hand, which if you've got feather pillows anywhere, I mean, <laughs> you know, or you can pick up feathers just off of anything outside, you know, a leaf, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> you know. But anyway, that was... That was one of the theories. So we aren't present and weird far out things can happen. A seed of doubt can for any case could be found. You know, like I said, short of video footage 
and DNA evidence, you know. So is there a chance Michael Peterson is innocent and some random owl in the neighborhood attacked his wife quietly, by the way, and she quietly went inside and died as a result? Uh, I guess, of course, there's like a one in a bajillion chance of that. But my gut says that's not what happened. I just, the whole owl thing just cracks me up. I mean, first of all, there's never been a documented case of an owl causing the death of a human being in the United States. And secondly, I mean... I would be screaming bloody murder if an owl was tr- was attacking me, second of all. And thirdly, if it had attacked her that much, that there would be that much blood, then there would be a ton of blood outside too. And there's not. There's a few little specks. And there would be blood all over, you know, the foyer. And I think you'd have more than one feather. I don't know. I just think the whole owl thing was just absolutely hilarious. And there is some, like I said, there is a little bit of Kathleen's blood on the door frame, I think, going in the house. These random little places of blood, it could have been dripping off of a murder weapon. Somebody else could have touched the door with it uh, because it's not a whole lot of blood. And that's the other thing. There's no scuffle in the front yard, you know. with lots of feathers and I'm just, but anyway, the majority of the blood is all right at the base of the stairs. And like I said, is there a chance that some random owl did this? There's a one in a bajillion chance, I suppose. And I guess that's what really bothers me because what is a jury being asked to do exactly? Because my gut said he did it. You know, do we rely on our instincts at all? Because at the end of the day, I can explain away a lot of evidence in any case, you know, I could say, oh, well, you know, there was this one in a million chance that lightning struck. And, you know, I mean, you could, you, (laughs) I can't ignore what I know of human behavior and I can't ignore situations. Like personally, there was just nobody else there that could have done it. (laughs) But for me, the evidence that um, the prosecution did have, you put that with this narcissistic proven liar, if I'd been on that jury, I would have found him guilty. But you know, more than anything, by the time I finished this documentary, I kept wondering where the outrage was over the death of Kathleen. You know, where were the tears for the life that was so brutally taken? You know, did they did they mention she was the first woman accepted into Duke University's engineering program? She was strong, fun-loving, a community leader. In high school in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, she was voted Girl of the Year, president of the debate club, editor for the school newspaper. God love her, she even took Latin. And it's no surprise that she was first in her graduating class of 473 students. She traveled all over the world, and she served on the board of the Durham Arts Council. And apparently, she could sew and cook, too. I mean, a true Wonder Woman. But instead, this documentary focuses almost completely on the legal system and Michael Peterson looking at the camera and smoking a pipe and shaking his head at the injustice of everything. And I just came away with it feeling cold and kind of irritated. (laughs) So um, The Staircase is available streaming on Netflix. If you are at all interested, check it out. I mean, you might have to fast forward through some of the stuff. The next episode, I'm going to be looking at a cold case from North Carolina, the Valentine's Day killings of 1971. Truly heartbreaking case. And uh, I hope you'll join me because it's, it's it's a really fascinating 
Until next time, stay safe and be good humans.